0: My name is Paul Bartraeck, and uh, I got this assignment kind of at the last minute because someone else was supposed to do this, and then they didn't, and so one of the pastors at our, at our church asked me to, and mostly because I have a whole lot of experience in all the wrong areas. So, 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 so that I can you know, let you know that I'm well qualified, I'll give you a little bio of myself. Okay, I was actually born and raised in the assemblies, okay, and life was really good until I was about 15, and then my parents were going through a transition period and getting divorced and whatever, and um, I, I uh, kind of got away from the church totally, and, and I went into an area or time in my life where I had no restrictions whatsoever. I left home at 17. Okay, um, I was drinking pretty good back then at 17. I even grew a beard at 17 so I could get served in the bars.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. And then I got drafted, and then I went to Vietnam, and I remember bits and pieces of it, you know, because I pretty much stayed lit up the whole year in Vietnam. I, I'm decorated. I have no idea how I got decorated, but I did. And uh, then and you I came home. lit up, just alcohol
2: mostly in Vietnam? Oh,
0: yes, I just did alcohol. I was... Uh, um, growing up in a farm environment or rural environment, my dad had instilled in me and my parents so much hatred for drugs and so much fear of drugs. Now I'm a lot older than everybody here, so the point was back then the only people that did drugs was the ones you saw in New York City, <coughs> you know, in the movies like you know uh, Sword and the Sickle um, with Dave Wilkerson. I see he was <coughs> at our church. So you think about them as your low life people that, you know, killed themselves with drugs. So there was such a stigma with drugs with me. Even in Vietnam, I didn't do drugs. You know, it was so bad in Vietnam that if, in my building, I was a sergeant. If, if you, you didn't dare come in my building with drugs. You could do any, you could sit right outside there and smoke yourself into oblivion. Don't bring it in here. You know what I mean? And, and then over there was a great experience for drugs too because I saw guys, you know, kill themselves. I went to wake a guy up one morning you know, because he didn't get up with everybody. I went over and grabbed him. He was cold as a mackerel. He had overdosed and thrown up and drowned in his own pew. You know what I mean? So, so I had this thing with drugs. But alcohol was okay. <laughs> yeah. And cigarettes were okay. Like what Well,
2: was, they're legal. Huh, well, yeah, they're legal. The, and you rationalized it. The drug of... Um, over there? The, no, yeah, in
0: those
2: times. Well, was, like, they the grow drug opium drug. over there. Okay, so it was, so there was
0: crack and there was, um, marijuana. You know, marijuana. of course, lots of marijuana, and they, the, the local people where I was at actually chewed betel nuts. The the nut that's inside that you get the opium from. They chewed it, mm. and their teeth were solid black, like like tar on their mm. teeth from chewing betel nuts. And you'd see the fishermen they, and the, them in the morning down by the ocean. They'd be sitting like this, and that's what they're doing. They're just sitting in a little circle chewing these they're just high as a kite happy little people but, uh, <laughs> so so I experienced that and I experienced quite a few suicides over there and, and people shooting each other a lot of it was over drugs almost every time um, I had a friend get killed the other day and if it wasn't for nine o'clock in the morning I would have almost bet that it had to, something to do with alcohol you know um, <clears throat> so I had that experience then I came home and I kept drinking and and I was a a Highly functional drunk? yeah. Yeah, whatever I bought, I drank that day. Pretty simple, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, didn't really get, you know. I don't have a DUI, I, you know. I haven't been put in jail, you know, none of those things. But I did ruin my life, you know. I lost my first wife, um, just because of who I was. When you're an alcoholic, everything's all about you. You know what I mean? So in my drinking days, everything was about me. This is it. I'm number one. That's it. You, you know, you're going to have to live with this. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. If it hadn't been for alcohol and being away from Christ, I'd probably still be married to the same person. Now I've been married the second time now for 36 years. Okay, and and I don't drink. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so years went by, and in about 1990, I got back with the Lord. Uh, we bought a house, and at the end of the street was a little Assemblies of God church. My wife went down there, and she says, "Oh, that's really nice." And she came home, and I said, "She had no idea that I was raised in the assemblies." So then I had to warn her what it was like, because she was Catholic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I said, "You know, this isn't what you think it is. You you got to understand, you know." And, and 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 soon after that, she was baptized in the Spirit, and I mean, it just, you know. And my wife now, which she don't like me to tell everybody, but my wife is a pastor. Not of a church. She just wanted to know God and be educated. And, and so she did. She's been ordained in, in the whole, oh, yeah. whole nine yards. You awesome. know. Yeah. So during those years, um, I had my kid. I, I always got to see my kids. I had no restrictions on seeing my kids. In the summer, most time, they were with me eight, nine weeks at a time. Okay. So, you know. But still, there's a separation when they don't live with you 24-7, you know. So my son... Um, got addicted to crack and, and you know, whatever else he could get a hold of. I mean, he was bad. I mean, he would disappear for a week, and no matter how much money he had, he would blow it all and then come back. Um, it, it was an abs- absolutely horrible thing. I mean, he got beat up. He got, you know, he 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 got a, he got a copier one time, made money, and tried to pass it to the drug dealers. Ah! Yeah, I mean, I have a picture somewhere of him. He, he don't look like a human. They beat him so bad, and you know his lips are still deformed from that and whatever. So he he was uh, an addict for about fourteen years, and uh, I I I belonged to a, a Foursquare church in uh, Medina, and uh, one of my friends and a, and, a, and a, the pastor decided to start an addiction program. Okay, and this was eighteen years ago. So I said, wow, you know, if I take Brett to the program, maybe it'll help Brett. You know what I mean? Now, I was still smoking cigarettes.
2: Can I gonna ask you, for yeah. your children, um, even with your wife, only you have them on the weekends, you quit going to church. Oh were my, they raised in the church at all? No. Your no.
0: Okay. They're saved now.
2: Right. I figured now I just ordered <laughs> in there. They're
0: saved now. And, in fact, the weekends there were with me, you're going to church. Yeah. You know, there's, there's no options at my house. You're going to do exactly what I said. Yes. i do you have that on? Oh. Did you start that? I, mean, I know you were sharing personal things, so that's why. Not oh, no, that's I'm okay. I, it recorded anyhow. It's always on. It's always on. Yeah, we're not supposed to turn it off, but I'll do this so that it... Here's my old voice better. How's that? There. Anyhow. So, yeah, it's re, it's recording. And if everyone speaks loud, it should be able to record what your questions are. And that's why I really like the best. I really love to answer questions. Yeah. You know, and, and please do. So, so I took him to the group and, and my buddy Dave Mahuda was a leader and another guy who had put in, uh, seven years of teen challenge and he was the co-leader. And so I took my son and he, and he went, we went three times and my son disappeared again. Yeah. So so, I sat there and I said, you know, I said, wow, this is really bad. But, you know, how do I tell him that it's the right thing to do if I stay home? So I'm just going to go anyhow. You know what I mean? So I just kept on going. You know, I kept going to the meetings. And, and through through God's love and the grace of the meetings and whatever, uh, I was able to quit cigarettes. And within two years, because my son would come once in a while, you know, we needed money, which I didn't give him much. I I was not an enabler. You know, bad thing. Um, so I would, uh, within two years, he gets, he re, re, rededicated himself to the Lord. And he's been clean now for since 19, well, about 16 years. Yeah, it's. How old
2: was he when
0: he started? Probably 19, right around there. He's 45 now, 46. So, you know, he lost a lot of his life. He still has a whole bunch of teeth missing. Crack does that to you. Yeah. You know, so he has a lot of teeth missing in his mouth. Um, I took all of his top teeth out for him. I, well, I did. No, not like this. <laughs> Let's see. Can you hear this? Not my fist. But <laughs> no, part of the problem he was having when your teeth are really bad, then you have pain. So then you want painkillers. So, my antidote was, let's get rid of his pain, you know, both pains, you know, your emotional pain and his physical pain. So that, that was all part of his healing process. I said, you know, if you can stay straight for a month, I'll take all your teeth out. You know, so then I, we paid for it and took the, all the teeth out of the top of his mouth. Um, so he has none up there now, you know, uh, and, and I keep encouraging him to save money and do the rest because I don't want to do it all, you know. Anyhow, so he's been clean all these years. But in that interim, I kept staying with the program. And eventually what happened was, um, well, only about a year into it, the the younger guy that went to Teen Challenge all these years, he fell off the wagon. Very sad. And I mean, he when he did, he fell hard and just disappeared. I, I think he died. Uh, the other fellow moved. So then I took over the program. You know, and, uh, and, and I really got serious about it. Now, to talk about different programs. You know, we did one called Overcoming Strongholds. And then there's the one I'm doing with Willie now. I just joined Willie in a group in, in North Ridgeville. And it's Celebrate Recovery. Okay, so there's a lot of programs out there. The only problem I have with Celebrate Recovery is to use their name, you have to you have to have lots of resources, and y- you know you got to do things in their order, you know, which is kind of hard to do if you got a group of six people. Right. You know, not really.
3: we're just using their book. We're, we're not really we calling it
2: overcoming addictions, but uh, we're using
0: some recovered resources. Uh, the yeah. Book is your guide. Yeah, and and you can pick any book as your guide. There's a lot of them on Amazon, you know, and and it gives you something to talk about when you don't have anything to talk about. And you want a Christian-based program, because it, without the power of God, these people are going to go back. They, they really are. And then I, I got some statistics here that really amaze you, and I, I'll just go through them real quick. For adults in America, 61% have trouble with gambling. 20% evangelicals have trouble with gambling. And 45% of born-again Christians have trouble with gambling. What they mean by born again, I'll probably explain. Like, I'm an an evangelical person. In other words, I care about helping other people. So when I pray for God, I pray for my neighbors, I pray for Willie, you know. And and the greatest thrill I have in my life is to see somebody healed, okay? A born-again Christian is praying for himself. I mean, that's how they classified it here. I'm not... Condoning one or the other, but that's how they use it as a classification. A born-again Christian, somebody says, I accept Christ as Savior and I'm, I'm so glad He's going to help me with my life. So, so that's the, the difference between the two. Um, cohabitation, 60% of adults have a trouble with that. 12% evangel, evangelicals and 49% are born-again. Sexual thoughts and fantasies, 50, 59% with adults, 15% with evangelicals, and 49% of born-again Christians. Then having abortions, of course, is very high. Sexual relations outside the marriage. 42% of the adults in this country have relationships outside their marriage. Only 7% evangelicals, and 35% born-again. Pornogra- pornography. Pornography. of adults have trouble with pornography, 5% evangelicals, and 28% born-again Christians. Using profanity, 36% of adults, 7% of evangelicals, and 29% of born-again. Getting drunk, 35% of the adults in America get drunk, uh, 8% of evangelicals, and 24% of born-again Christians. Uh wow. Same sex relationships, thirty percent of adults. That just amazed me. Five percent evangelicals, and twenty percent of born again Christians. And then using drugs not prescribed, seventeen percent of adults, six percent evangelicals, and eleven percent of born again Christians. The the real issue here is even within the church, we're talking You know, at least 50% with gambling, 50% cohabitation, 60% with uh, sexual assaults, um, thoughts, uh, relationships out the marriage, outside the marriage, 45%. These are people in church. Mm -hmm. This is how serious the problem really is. Pornography. I'll, I'll just, one of the things that amazed me most was pornography. Okay. Huh? I think, you're low. Low. I think that one's low, too. But, but you know, when I got involved, I, I knew about alcohol and drugs. And to me, pornography was, you know, dad had a Playboy and the boys passed it around. You know, my dad didn't have one, so we didn't get to pass one around. Oh, but, <laughs> and I was I was run in such a house that, you, you know, you put all your almost all your clothes on before you went from your room to the bathroom. That's how bad it was, you know. So I'm still almost like that. It's terrible. Uh, so I didn't understand it. But the point was when we started an addiction program, that's who shows up. We just we just started one and there's roughly seven people on an average there. There's three with addictions to pornography. Am I right, Willie? That's amazing. Out of seven people that showed up, three have trouble with pornography. Yeah. And
3: out of those out of those seven, two we have eight, uh, two more. Or we have eight to ten. and Two more show out Of those, two, four have uh, multiple addictions, myself included. Yeah. And, and out of those, I think I have almost all
4: of them. <laughs> 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 I was, I was at a holy Church smoker. There was about fifteen guys in it, and it was just talking about things you struggled with. And I brought that up, addiction. Yeah. And it was amazing to me because I think me bringing it up opened the door for other guys because of the fifteen guys sitting there, ten of them had dealt with it. Yeah. And it just—it's—it's—and it's, you know, it's and, and there's something. Since I've gotten married, me and my because the, th- the hardest thing I had to do when I first got married was going to bed with my wife. And the problem was, you have planted so many images in your head yeah. that automatically sparking those images. And she didn't, I didn't know how to tell her at first, but it was the idea of, I'm fighting a battle every time we go to bed together. Yeah. You know, and, and I, it, it's really not you, it really is me. Okay? But the one thing that I've noticed that is scary is to see spiritual warfare on TV. And, and what I mean by that... Oh. Turn to ESPN and look at how many attractive women are now doing sports coverage. Yeah, There's a reason behind that. Oh, so, yeah. You
0: know? Oh, yeah. I mean, just regular TV, you get the, the what's that, Victoria's Secret commercials and all this stuff. Uh, it's just disgusting. Um, so, so when that happened, um, I, uh, I decided that I should have a separate group for that. You know, because that's, that's a unique problem. And just like he said, a lot of people don't understand what it does to you. It, you know, it, it interferes with your ability to love your wife like you should. Because it, it triggers something in your brain that says this, sex and this. You know what I mean? So it turns sex into something else. Uh, so, so wives, so I started an, I started another one. Okay. And then I was a nervous wreck because I thought, how am I going to do this? Because I don't really, you know, alcohol and drugs. Yeah, man, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. We can relate. You know, you can't tell me no stories. I can tell you stories. And so, so then, you know, we are, we are mutual ground here. You know, that's why Willie's going to be so good at what he does because he's on mutual ground with everybody that comes through the door. You know, they're not going to BS him. You know, he's not going to BS them. They know whether he's been an alcoholic or not. And they—that's who they want to listen to. It—that's that you're we're comrades, you know. So it's really hard to have someone that's not, you know, with an addiction, you know, teaching an addiction class. So, so I decided to do the pornography class because no one wanted to do it. Believe me, I could get no volunteer. Yeah. So, and I'm kind of like, I don't really care, you know. God loves me. Here, here I am. This is it, you know. So. You, I have, you know, I'm at the age where it don't bother me, you know, really. So anyhow, I did it. And I started and I got like, it was amazing. I started, I ended up with like eight guys the first day. Okay, that's pretty cool. So then the next week I ended up with seven. And then the next week I ended up with six. And then the next week I ended up with five. And the next ended I ended up with four. So, wow. And so I'm very confrontational. So, you know, I like say, hey, Willie what happened to you, man? You know, I'm just like that. You know. And their wives stopped them. What? Yes. There is
3: a very big problem with every church that is what well, oh, yeah. The men are trying to get together because the wives, A, hey, what, I wasn't good enough? Or what do you mean you look at pornography? Or, you know, and yeah. there are several other factors that come into play where the man. um, is basically trying to do the right thing by submitting to his wife because he loves her and doesn't want to be held up to scrutiny or, oh, we have an issue at home, which is, that becomes a codependency
0: issue
2: on the wife's part, Right, and I would have thought they'd be
4: embarrassed.
0: Yeah, so so they didn't want anybody to know their husband...
2: Right, we're going to a pornography
0: community. group, yeah. Right. So the best, my recommendation for that is move it out of the church. Have it at one of the guys' house. Have it at my house, you know. I have an office building right by my house on a farm. It's a little office. It's nice. You put them in there. So, so that was a good answer. Uh, and that solved that problem. You know, and it was like a secret society of guys with pornography problems. The other problem was then, how am I going to relate? You know, I'm learning about this. I mean, what what people go through with pornography amazed me. I mean, guys lost their job. They act out at work. They they spend money on it, big money, you know. So so I had to go on vacation. So I told the group, I said, you, know, you can either meet... I can have Pastor Zach, at that church, his name was Zach, nice guy. I said, have Pastor Zach lead it this week, you know. And one of the other guys who had been through pornography and, and, and had been healed, you know, prior, said, Paul, I can do this while you're gone. So I never had to lead it again. It was wonderful. So, so don't be afraid to start a group because someone within the group may, may take hold. You know what I mean? And so it was perfect. Yeah. And that program went on for about five years. How did
2: you get um, "quote unquote" members? How did you get them to yeah. come
0: to your Well, now what we're going to do, and we haven't done this yet at this church, is testimonies. Okay. Testimonies. Get get somebody like me or Willie, and get up there and say you know. And you, you, the other thing we need, which we don't have yet, but we're still, we're still like in the forming stages, and things are getting started. Since, uh, January, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, this group. So what we did is, you know, periodically, I would get up there, or one night I had like five of us up there. Here we are. You know, we're, we're, we're all ex-alcoholics, and we meet every Tuesday night here. You know, and we would like to help you. Christ has freed me up in just a small testimony. The point is then they see who you are. Then they don't have to go to the church secretary and say, I want to go to the alcoholics class. They don't have to, you know, ask the pastor. They they'll come right up to me, or they'll come up to Willie. And say, Willie, I got. I'm so glad you have that class, man. They know who you are, and that's so. That's the next step we have to do, is something like that. But that's how you do it. And and, and even if it's not them with a with an addiction, it's they, they're going to bring their son. They're going to bring their husband. They're going to bring your brother, and it's all word of mouth. It's all no, word of I just mouth.
2: Got to see you tell your story in front of everyone.
0: Yeah, you see, man, you know, it don't bother him to be up there. Look at this. Yeah. And it's, and it's you know like
2: putting the light on it,
4: because a lot of times, you that shame tells you, remote. Yeah, you're the only one dealing with this. Exactly. You know?
3: Well, yeah. the thing about it is I never, uh, I never could hide it when I was drinking, you know. My boss knew where I My it? employer knew I was drunk. The police in North Ridgeville knew I was drunk so much to so the fact that they gave me over 60 points on my driver's license with it six-year period, and wow. you know, I made DWIs and Requisops and everything else. Uh, my girlfriend knew it, and so therefore I didn't have her around much longer. Everybody else knew it but me, you know, and... So you didn't know
2: it, know it, or did you just think you were hiding it? Well, actually, I thought
3: I just could drink a lot, and I could, and I was able to use a lot of dope and, and drink a lot, and... Perform my duties uh, so at work, and had nobody. Didn't as long as I was working, they they were happy with me at work. You was still functioning. Yes. Yeah, uh, my third DUI you know, was .37. The only reason they they pulled me over was I like them to the turn on left-hand turn was was leaving or anything. But the progression of alcoholism and and, and my use uh, got to the point where I was a functioning drunk. Where I, I mean, I drank all day long. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, through Alcoholics and through Celebrate Recovery and what we're doing today, you know, one day at a time, I've been able to uh, manage to have over 32 and a half years of sobriety. Awesome. And, and yeah. it's nothing of mine. It was all because I believed that God could and could would help me if, if he were sought. You yeah. know. Um, but I, I needed the help of a, a lot of very... Good
0: people who were very uh, tough-nosed with them. Was there just a breaking point? Yeah. I got so. tired of spending money in court. It good. one um. big <laughs> <laughs> that, Yes, that could be because that can become very, very expensive. Yeah. So so are anyone in here uh, going to start a program or considering or involved in a program? You?
2: Um, eventually. Um, I'm actually in school right now studying psychology.
0: Uh-huh. Um because I want to do substance abuse counseling after I get my masters. Um, and we've actually been talking about possibly starting a teen challenge down where we live. Yeah. Teen challenge teen challenge anybody else hear about teen challenge? I know who teen challenge is. Teens Challenge, if a person does the year, their success rate is ninety seven percent. Amazing. But now you gotta understand here, this is a person who committed to a whole year. Go in there, they got you know that statistics on a person that's done a year. You know what I mean? Um, Glen Bay, you know who Glen Bay is. Everybody know who Glen Bay is. Glen Bay is probably the largest rehab program, uh, an old one of the oldest ones in Ohio. And and I used to do their billing. I'm, I'm a computer person originally. Anyhow, so we did their billing. You know what their success rate is after a 30 day program? Not very high. Twelve percent. I would see these Ford workers because Ford was their biggest customer up there where I live. And you'd see, you know, James Jones in for a month, you know, bill of insurance. And then he'd disappear. A month later, here's James Jones back again. <laughs> and, and, see, right, and a lot of it's, it's court
2: ordered. Too. Yeah. So oh, yeah. You know what I mean?
0: They yeah. can do it on their own. Corner. I don't think well, now with Obamacare, do you see how many companies open up with Obamacare? Right. Because Obama said your your hospitalization had to cover it. Up to thirty thousand dollars, and if you call one of them, you see the helplines on television. Try to call that and see if you're not if you're an addict. That's not going to do you no good at all. They're going to send you to Glen Bay or they're going to send you to one of these care centers, and and they're going to ask you if you have insurance. If you don't have insurance, you're gone. It's like Gambling Anonymous. Same thing. You call that Gambling Hotline, you're going to get nobody. Gambling's another addiction. I had a guy come. The pastor sent him to me. He had. He had, He was ready to commit suicide. He had picked out the bridge he's going to hit. So he came to the group. This man had lost $400,000 in one year. Yes. He lost everything. His family's money, the business money, his money. He would get up in the middle of the night and gamble. Yeah, that's how serious gambling is. Yeah. It is. And, and I made a lot of money with gamblers. I raced horses for 20 years. I did too. Yeah, I raced harness horses. That's what I did. Um, and the gamblers pay for the whole game. Oh, yeah. Just so, you know, I have trouble with gambling because mathematically you can't win. But everybody thinks they can. But, but gambling is another pretty serious addiction. And it can, it can get a hold of you and just ruin a person's life. But if you're going to start a program, there's no time like right now. You don't need you don't need a whole bunch of stuff. You you can go to Amazon or you can go online and and look, you know, review those study guides and pick one that's comfortable for you. The study guide, you know what that's for? That's to keep God in it. Remember this, if God's not in your program, you're not going to have a, a success rate at all. If you think you can do it or you can teach it, it's not going to happen. And it's really uh, the last seminar, or the one I was in earlier today. The guy talked about the power of the spirit in you. It's there, you know. And if you're doing it for all the right reasons, God will bless your program and you'll you'll succeed. You know what I mean? And and you don't have to get ready to start it. Just start it. You know what I mean? Just have a compassion. You know, y- y- like you you can start one because you've ha- you've gone through an addiction.
4: Well, I've actually I've actually. I actually... Yeah. And when I started going to church, <clears throat> I could feel God calling me. To yeah. And it was probably about two months
0: afterwards, uh, January 5th, I had my last can of rub. January 6th, I was baptized. Yeah.
4: And it's been five years since I've had a can
0: of rub. That day, it was gone. Wow.
4: And a week after, it was wild because I was on my route. And I'm coming into this town, and there's a gas station, and I'm, <coughs> set, I'm just going to buy one can of rub. Yeah. Whatever's left at the end of the day, I'll throw away. And as I'm coming into the town, there's a big billboard on the right side of the road that says, "I can do all things to Christ's drink. Them, so like, Amen. Yeah, I can't. I can't, I can't it. But I'll tell you, the one thing—I'm I in a very unique situation right now because I'm from Tuscarawas County, and our heroin
0: problem is what city? Crazy. I made my living in Tuscarawas County for a lot of years. Really? Dover New Philly, Erythvel, Denison, I, down I through actually there. Live in right now. Yeah.
4: But I'm actually doing jail ministry the Tuscross County Jail yeah. plus youth ministry at our church. So I've seen parents that are in there for the drug addiction and I've seen the kids that have been orphaned by the parents that are living with grandparents, neighbors oh, wow. coming to our youth group. Yeah. And it's like, wow! To see both sides of it. Yeah. It's like yeah. that in Circleville. It's yeah. like that it's everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere.
0: It's everywhere. It's yeah. Everywhere. It's yeah. Really and i 'll uh, yeah. uh, <clears throat> mention one other thing you don 't have to be perfect to start a program so i I get involved and I take over this program and i 'm smoking okay ah yeah i 'm like you know I never smoked there, you know so i 'm carrying this secret man and and i 'm a big believer in prayer and i was on the, I was an elder I was on the prayer team of the church and it's a pretty good church fourteen hundred people you know. Wow. Yeah, so it was a big church. And, uh, so I'm smoking and I'm teaching this class. Okay. And, and one day I'm talking to a guy, you know, I'm praying for this guy you, to relieve him of the addiction of alcohol, you know, and I'm, I'm praying earnestly for him. And while I'm praying, I go, what a nitwit you are. You know, how stupid are you? You're praying, you're, you're saying God, you're believing that God's going to heal this man and you're going to go out and have a cigarette. Honest, did so you can actually do a program and heal yourself. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's what happened to me. I mean, it did. I that I just it was just like a light went off. Wow, you know, you're telling all these people the power that God has, and you're telling them this, and you're telling them that, and then you're gonna go out and have a cigarette. Are you kidding me? You know what I mean? So, so the point is, I was you know, a lot of people got healed, and a lot of people got saved, and a lot of people you know, quit their addiction, and this sinner's helping them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because cigarettes is bad. There's no way about it. I don't care if you smoke cigarettes. You're in sin. You know, you're tearing your body up. You're doing damage to yourself. So, uh, and and uh, I've never smoked again, you know, and I don't have a desire to, and I don't drink. I don't have a desire for that, you know. Uh, but I've been there, done that. I can remember when I quit drinking, trying to get past the last gas station. You know, because you go in the gas station and get a six pack or a twelve pack or whatever. I can remember just like I got to get past this thing, man. You know, you know. But uh, uh, so, so remember this: you you don't have to. None of us really have to be perfect. God doesn't expect that. You know what I mean? But but you can get involved in a program and heal yourself too. You know what I'm saying? And you don't have to say, "Well, I'm going to start a program when I get right, man." You know and you'll be my age, you'll be 70, and you go, I'm not right yet. <laughs> you know? Yes, sir?
1: Yeah, I, I like to throw in about Teen Challenge. I went through Teen Challenge back in 1980. And so it's been, uh, wow, well, it's been 36 years since I've been free and an addict. And I went through, you know, the 30-day programs. I went to the hospital. I went to the psychiatrist. They told me how I had my father. They, they did all this. But when we talk about the power of God, how we how we talk about having an encounter, Team Challenge, when I was in that program, I was messed up, but I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And the power of God is what set me free. It wasn't me confessing that I was an addict. It wasn't saying my name, my name's Chuck, I'm a drug addict. But it was confessing that I had a problem with sin. And uh, even what we're talking about, the porn... The, the gambling, everything we're talking about, it comes down to sin. Right? Yeah. You know. And so, the Teen Challenge, when I hear you start the Teen Challenge, oh my, um, what a blessing. But I think we need to understand in all these programs, even in Celebrate, when I was pastoring up in Dayton, uh, we had a Celebrate Recovery as a great program. Man, great program. Yeah. We took Celebrate from uh, uh, a Baptist background. And put spirit behind it and seen great things, but there had to even be a graduation time, yeah. even in that celebrate recovery. Amen. And and, and there's got to be a time where we rise up and you know to go help people. Yeah. But sometimes a lot of time we dwell on our own past. Yeah. And and we it, need to just you know start a program. Oh my 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 girl, just go do it. Yeah, it's a
0: wonderful thing. It is. Yeah, it's
1: speaking life. And when you said. When you give of yourself to speak life into others, you heal yourself. Well, it's downloading Christ, giving them away. Downloading Christ, giving them away. And uh, what fulfillment of that? So I bless you. God bless the team challenge. We need more
2: team challenges. It's you. That's awesome to hear that they've actually been around.
0: Oh yeah! Well, they've been around oh, they've since been around the '70s, yeah. '60s—a long time.
1: Uh, no, they have. Women's? Mike Leonard, Mike and Lisa Leonard. I need you to hook up with—I need to hook you up with them. Uh, they're over in uh, Hillard uh, or Willard, Willard, and um, and they are on top of it. They, 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 they are on top of it. I went through Cincinnati. All right. Oh, you
0: know. I sent a girl down here to Columbus Teen Town. T- yeah, they're good too. I hear they're pretty good. And
1: come to our church. Yeah, Mike, Mike Leonard's, I think it's little box. Uh, Mike Leonard's, a, <laughs> <laughs> he is a good man, man. Yeah, he brought brought
3: um, a group of about eight women or many more, and they all gave their testimonies and did skits and stuff like that. And they had, the thing about recovery is it's quite long. They all come in here, broken people. And you can't get it until you give it away. But you got to keep giving it away. I've been fortunate to be able to do it, to love on other people for 32 years. And I'll continue to do it because every day it makes me more aware of the sinner that I was. You know, there's a scripture, those who've been forgiven much, love much.
4: And uh,
3: I'll tell you what, uh, if, whether I go to an AA meeting, or whether I go and help people at work uh, who... I have a couple people at work who I know are alcoholic or suffer from graduation and, and I talk with them or, or encourage them or what do we go through. I also go to celebrate recovery and I also do what we have at our place. And I leave, I might do a teaching or Paul might do a teaching, but when we leave there, I feel better, always feel better than when I came there. Um, and if I've been able to help one person, uh, man, I sleep really good
1: at night anymore. You know, I don't have all this stuff in my life. Amen. You know, but yeah. you did You did come to a place in your life where you, you graduated from being an addict. You 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 come to a place in your life where you found out who you are in Christ. And you can never help others. You can never give what you don't have. And that's deliverance completely. Yeah. And that's deliverance of yourself.
0: Yes. Amen.
2: Let me ask you yeah. a question. Yes. Yes. Um. So, just a little bit of background about myself. I'm pursuing my social work degree. Um, long story short, I grew up with drug use constantly. Um, mom in and out rehabs. Yeah. My dad's alcoholic. My brother. My mom's on crack now. My brother's on heroin now. Mm-hmm. I'm about to get custody of my nephew because both my brother and his girlfriend's on heroin. My um, sister-in-law is up at OSU right now because she has injected so bad that um, an infection, which none of the doctors know, what has happened has <clears throat> gotten into both of her legs and has been um, now transported into her heart. Mm-hmm. So they have a pick line going from what straight antibiotics going into her heart to save her life. They're going to amputate her legs. Oh. So long story short, I've been trying to talk to my brother. He'll call me here and there. Hey, got a little bit of money, got this, got that. And, of course, I don't say anything. He's like, Lisa, if you can just help me get in, in get in some um, Suboxone or something like that or methadone. And I said, Aaron, why not? Now, he's been on drugs ever since he was early high school, yeah. probably even 7th or 8th grade. Um, I'm the oldest. But, I and he's 27 now. So, long story short, it, he's had a battle. Oh, yeah. And I said... You've never gone to church. Would you like to come to church? No, Lisa. I I need methadone, or I need suboxone. Yeah. I need you to help me. Well, so he's you know, wanting, he's
3: wanting to go from one addiction to that's another. It. Yes.
2: So how do you handle those individuals who come to your recovery groups who are on all of this suboxone, Oh,
0: I have them. I, I've had them on. Thought. I've had them on it, and you know that's just really tough. You know, and, and I've had them get off it too. You know, but I have this girl six years she's still on Suboxone I know, okay. and, and you know all we can do is be there we don't give her no money we, we're there for her you know what I mean um, her mom's on methadone she's on Suboxone what do you think yeah. you, you see and and you know she'll get off it and then she'll you know and I have a, a Suboxone doctor I used to send people to you know because I, I thought it would work it don't work it so I quit sending them to him. I said, You're a gangster. Right. And he's a he's brother of my dentist. And I said, You're a gangster, man. And I said, I bet you got a gun in your car. You got a gun in your car? He said, Yes, I do, Paul. See, he's, they're robbing people.
2: Yeah. I,
0: I, I almost never see anybody get off of Suboxone. Yes. I also come from uh, the big book of
3: Anonymous where it says that if a man is found to be uh, still foggy or still in uh, that it, that hospitalization is probably the best thing that they need to get them, you know, defogged or detoxed.
0: Do you know how to do that?
3: But at the same time, as a Christian, how would that man want me to talk to him? And and I can only talk to him as what I think Christ would talk to him. Tell him that he's loved and tell him that that he's got value, but that... He's not going to blow smoke up my tail there with a methadone mm-hmm. and a suboxone treatment because he's because I want him to know, hey, I know the game, you know. And what you're wanting to do is not really good for you. What you're going to do is you're just switching an addiction from one end to the other. Mm-hmm. It's still going to kill you. Mm-hmm. So let's get you let's get you treated first physically to get rid of the substance out of you, and then we have to work. During that whole physical treatment as well as from every day after we have to work on the mental phenomenon of craving that he will undergo for several
0: years of his life. How many times did you reach for your cigarettes? Knowing that they weren't I did today because I went in that (laughs) high school bathroom.
3: yeah. And and, and so we have, it's not only a diseased body, but we have a diseased mind. And we have to change not only physically, but we have to change spiritually as well as mentally as well. It's, it's addiction is not just a physical issue. Addiction is not just a mental issue. Addiction yeah. encompasses it's a spiritual malady, first of all, that answer right there. It's sin how many attitude are you gonna to get to confess that they're a sinner? They're sick. Yeah. That's why he wants to go to the that's why he wants to go to Suboxone. He realizes he's got a sickness.
0: The the way I usually handle it, if if it, if they're serious, then I say, Well, will you go to the hospital and get treatment? Of course they'll say yeah, because they think they're gonna give him suboxin. When you get him to the hospital, you tell him he's gonna commit suicide. They won't give him
2: anything.
0: Then they won't give him nothing. That works. I'm just telling you yeah. one of the tricks. Yeah, right now, they'll, they'll dry them out right. for a couple well, weeks. Right now, though, all the detox programs, they do give
2: them Suboxone to help them through the withdrawals. I work that in you know, wow. the detox. And they're doing and it. They will. And, you know, as soon as they leave, I had to give them two cans of Narcan. Now, this yeah. is the, the storyline I have to say. Now, I want you to understand, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so that when you leave here, you have been clean now for however long your stay was. So your tolerance is not as high. So when you go to use again, let's be honest, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. When you go to use again, make sure you don't
0: use the same amount that you did when you first came there. Wow, oh yeah. But, here's your narcan. Yeah. So whoever's around you, hopefully they're not as good Is that terrible? You. So
1: that
4: it way, uh, they, could, they
0: could give it to you. I didn't, like, with the whole drug thing, I didn't
4: have a lot of dollars to go use in the jail. <clears throat> what freaked me out was the guy sitting there telling me that they play a game called Resurrection. <coughs> One guy will purposely overdose, and the other guy will revive it. Yeah. And I'm sitting there just, well, wow, you know? That's a Russian roulette, I mean, You oh, yeah, may not yeah. even get free What if the other guy is high and forget? What doesn't dose of narc? Yeah. Does, you know, they,
2: right. People will then yeah. one didn't do it you have to get them again
0: the, the other the other issue is you can't help anybody that doesn't really want yeah, help right. you know we you know they have to in their heart finally hit the ultimate low where they know they can't do it on their own the first step of almost all programs is denial if they if you can't get them out of denial you can't help them now addressing what he had to say a second ago Unlike, unlike some programs, you know and especially celebrate recovery, they, they sit around a room and this person says, "I'm an alcoholic. You notice I never said that because I'm a Christian and I believe that when I'm born again, Christ can take away all this sin and I'm no longer an alcoholic. Yes, I was, but I'm a new person in him. This is how I believe. okay? That's me. You teach whatever you want, Celebrate Recovery has them say it. I won't say it. I don't believe in it. And I'll argue with people about it. I argued with a guy one time. He came to the group. And he's an he's a AA person. Man, like five nights a week, buddy. He's an AA guy. And he came to the group. And, and, and I did the little speech about that. And, oh, that's not right, Paul. You have to. Once an alcoholic. Always an alcoholic. You're an alcoholic. You've got to admit you're an alcoholic. On and on he went. And so we had the big argument to the blowout. And he never came back. I was like, Wow. You know, you know, I feel bad, you know, Uh, but I kept seeing him in church. And about a year later, I'm up there and I was on the prayer team, you know, and he came up and he says, I need to talk to you. I said, "Okay, Bruce, I thought he's going to bring us up again. He said, you saved my marriage. You saved my life because he believed it. His, and now, instead of going to meetings five nights a week, he's with his wife five nights a week. And he's now he works at the church one night a week. You know, he does stuff. He He's not addicted it's to the meetings anymore. Right. He no yeah, exactly. He doesn't claim it anymore. He is set free. You see? And I believe that. See, I believe that Christ can set us free. I mean, I don't think it's just a song. I don't think it's just a verse. I believe that Christ can set us free. And so I like to teach that. And I say, you know, if you're not drinking, and you don't want to drink, you're no longer a drunk. You know, he who lives me is greater than he in the world. You know, and and I have that power. We need to. We remember this is all the programs I'm involved in are Christ-centered programs. So let's use the power that Christ gave us and the freedom that He gave us.
2: Part of part of uh,
0: being in the uh, honor bound motorcycle motorcycle. uh, Fellowship. Yeah. That you have to be
2: alcohol, tobacco, and drug-free for one year to prove that Christ has power. Those yeah. things in your life. Amen.
0: How cool is that? Uh, that is cool. Well, Sam, just in my
2: little bit of research, I've noticed that all of the faith-based programs have a lot higher success rate.
0: Oh, yeah. We're, it's, we're not, it's not a
2: physical problem. It's not a psychological yeah, problem. Yeah, like it's actually a sin problem.
0: The best I can come up with is my six. our success rates in the groups I've been involved with is around 60%. That's
4: awesome.
0: You know. You know, and I know because I've been doing it 18 years so I still see these people and I know they're still sober and I know they're not doing drugs anymore you know what I mean uh, and the greatest thrill in the world the greatest and I might have mentioned this already my greatest thrill in the world I'd be sitting there in church and i will see one of the people that came through the program get baptized see I believe that's when you really accepted Christ you know the day you get water baptized in front of everybody in the church is the day you really are born again and and so when I see that I was like yes
1: you know, I mean, it's. You know, um, I, I don't know if I. You guys can correct me on the, the celebrate. Okay. I don't think that. Did they say that you know just pronounce your name and, and no. say that you're an addict? I no. think that was more of the AA.
3: That's more AA. Yeah, and will so, we'll come to you this, and they "My name is. My name is Willie. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who has suffered from. Yeah. So it's past 10 Yeah. And, and another thing that I
1: found out, and this is 10 years ago. And uh I think it might have been uh, NA, Narcotic Anonymous, and I went through that too. And they would always uh recommend to a higher power. You know? They wouldn't yeah. you know, they, they would wouldn't say, say who it was. Yeah. Jesus right. Christ. Yeah. They would always say that higher power, you yeah. know? Whatever that higher power might be to you.
0: And and that's the
1: that way that does it too. That's where he does But there was also a reason
0: behind
3: that as well. If, if you have to yeah. study history. You can't just say what we, you know, because we're believers in Jesus Christ, it's this way. It's not. When Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob got together and they originally put the, the foundations of the 12-step program together, mm-hmm. what did they have? They didn't Rest- have, there were, there were things going on back then too, they had a thing called the Oxford Movement, which consisted of six steps of repentance, confession, uh, restitution, uh, inventory and, and uh and and, um, and they developed that into the 12 steps and even if, if you read bill's story uh, and in some the place he talks about the lord so he knew what the real deal was right. before they ever even were called alcoholics anonymous in 1935 they were going to be called the james gang. because most of the stuff they were uh taking were home and home meetings Read from the scriptures, and yeah. the biggest book that they read from was the book of James. But they were good. I really called the James Game. Then um, Joe Walsh got it. But uh, uh,
0: yeah. a couple. You talk
3: about a power greater than yourself. For if if you're actually reading between the lines, it's between the black and white and the big book. Yeah. You can see that they're really mentioning Christ. However, to keep their membership, I mean, they don't get the money from it, the membership, though, but they want to help as many people as possible. So you're going to have agnostics, you're going to have atheists. Before before you ever used, you may have known Christ, but once you started using did you really want anything to do with it. Yeah. Because you have to look at yourself as a sinner and see yourself as a sinner. So they don't use the word Jesus Christ. They don't use uh, God as El Shaddai or any of the other words, because they want you to come to that realization by thorough reading and understanding of your disease that there is one true Savior. And that is Jesus Christ. But they're not going to force him on you. And and, and God as as gentleman as he is as his character,
2: he doesn't force himself on you either. He gives you that free will. Yeah. You know?
3: Most of the people I, I know in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I, I've been involved in that for 32 and a half years, I introduce a lot of people to uh, my, my God as I understand him as Jesus Christ. And I have gotten several people who come to my church who are now saved and, and follow the Christ. And before they ever made that profession of faith, where, where baptism or anything, they had a belief in Jesus Christ as their, as God of their understanding. They just didn't say it out loud because they're more, not concerned about numbers or not concerned about money, they're more concerned about helping as many people as they possibly can because this is a sickness as well as a disease. Not only, you know what, when, when Moses talks about the blessings and curses in Deuteronomy 28, he says, if you rebel and do your thing, I'll bring sickness, plague, and disease upon you. And that's how I know that alcoholism, drug abuse, gambling, uh, all that is sin from an act of rebellion because I'm going to do it my way, and God, I know
0: better than you. <laughs> Two more things I just want to mention real quick. Um, one is, and you'll know this because you're family, Addicts are major manipulators. Just, they are the greatest con artists in the entire world. And so I always warn everybody in the group not to fall prey to them. Two things happen. First off, you've enabled them. Okay. The second is you're going to get ticked off when you found out you've been taken. You know, so now you're going to be discouraged. You know, I've lost group members because they're mad at so and so that. Took their two hundred bucks and never came back. You see what I mean? So, so enabling is bad, but they they are master manipulators. Trust me, this is how they're getting through life because they're not working well. They're, They're cheating, lying, and stealing, and this is what they do. My son stole; he just stole. He did all kinds of stuff, you know. And the other point is now that I mentioned that is remember that is not that person. That's the drugs. The drugs have consumed them. That's not their nature. So try not to judge them as a person. Judge the sin that's in them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: so, so, so the other thing in the group I mentioned is try to warn everybody about being manipulated by these people because I've seen it. I, some of my friends have given them hundreds of dollars. I just talked to a guy the other day. He says, "Guess who called me? Paul Skip called me up, man. You know, remember when I gave him the Home Depot card for two hundred bucks so he could buy some tools to work? Well, guess what? He needs more help, and you know, and he quit the program, of course. Yeah, and he you went back to alcohol, and you know, so, so, so now he hates Skip. I said, Angel, you shouldn't hate Skip. You did it. Right. Yeah. I said, you knew what you were dealing with. You shouldn't give him the two hundred dollars. He said, Paul, you stood there and watched me. I said, What do you want me to? <laughs> I said, you know, you're handing him the card. You want me to grab it out of your hand? You know, the point is, now it created all this emotions in a good guy. This guy's a great guy. He'll help everybody. He really will. You know, and and so so it hurt two people. It didn't help the addict. And, and it hurt the, the good guy. So really, be careful of that. The other thing I had trouble with is now we got away with it because everybody knows everybody. It's just the people right there in the church. Is everybody wants to pass out phone numbers? Don't let men and women exchange phone numbers. Don't do that. I had so much trouble with that. I, I had to I had to call cops after guys. I had to threaten guys myself. You know that I'm going to just. Tear your face off! You call her again, but you know because that's the way it is, and and so you got to watch that. And then you want to, you want to pass out like all the women should share phone numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and all the men should share phone numbers, and and like guys like Willie are great to share because he'll call you. You know, don't share it with me, man. I'm not calling nobody. <laughs> don't be called me at two o'clock in the morning, and I've had it. I've had guys call me at two o'clock in the morning drunk. This is not a good experience, man. You have just ruined my night, and I'm gonna hang up on you. You got it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, you know, cause you're talking to a drunk. I'm not gonna to talk to a drunk. There's no good in that. But, but Willie's a great guy. I don't know if you know who Willie, this is Willie, and he's wonderful. He calls people, man. He sends them texts. He's, he's the perfect guy to have in a recovery group. Yeah, yeah. He cares. You know what I mean? He has a compassion for it, and he has the experience. And you just love to have somebody like him. Because he has, he just, and he seems to take time to do all this. You know? So he's, he's really good at it. Really good. But it's important to have somebody like that that likes to contact. And, and see, that's what you've done. You, you're not, I worry about people that run a program instead of, it, it really should turn into a home group. You know, like a, like a home group. That's what it should be. This is where they can bring all their laundry and they can share and they can grow in Christ. That's really what our program is.
3: And we don't have the same we don't have the same
0: meeting format any night have week. I mean
3: we may have four or five people because three or four people are not left in every day. Yeah. And it's just great. You know, we pray for one another, we talk uh, with one another. Uh, or we may I may go over teaching, and then the next week, Paul may give all the scriptures to it, and then I might have somebody do it <coughs> but The thing is, it's not about me, it's not yeah. about him, it's about everybody. Yeah. And you don't keep people active, and I, in my opinion, yeah, and I think you can agree with me, I try to get everybody involved, right. whether they just read the 12 steps, or the 8 spiritual principles, yeah. or... You know, we lead us in a Serenity Prayer, or
0: whatever. Yeah. I keep everybody actively involved. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a great salesman. I've made my living being a salesman. Okay, and the reason I'm very good at it is because I'm going to find out what your pain is. I'm going to find out what you need. And too many salesmen sell their product instead of your need. And that's what this group's about. We're going to find out what your need is. You're going to come here and you're going to say, we're not going to pull it out. You have a person who's going to get involved and they're going to say, you know, I have trouble with pornography, I have trouble with alcohol, you know, my wife's leaving me. And, and so we, you see what I mean? That's really the goal. And that's what the group's for, is to help them with their need. And, and so you're going to sell them Christ because Christ can help them with their need. Amen. You know what I mean? And so that's the key to sales. If you can find out what the guy's pain is, people buy because of pain. I believe this, see? And they buy because of pain. I sell dog fences now. I have a dog fence company. And, you know, as soon as I says, "Do you want?" To... I says, I can keep your dog in the yard, man. You know what I mean? And then the dog would jump up on the counter, and I said, I can keep that dog off the counter. You can do that? I said, yes, I can. <laughs> Just write me a check. No. <laughs> How much money? But that's right. You know, we have the answer. Christ is the answer to all this. And so we, we're walking around with this great answer. All we need to do is find your pain and say, here's the, here's the cure, buddy. I got it for you. Amen. You know? So that's the end of the session.